Hi, and welcome to History Makers. I'm your host, Matt Prater. Today we're speaking to rapcore singer Patrick Davis. Patrick's got an amazing testimony, a life of crime and drugs, and how God turned it all around. Let's get straight into it. Here's Patrick Davis on History Makers. You never know what lies ahead of you, man. And at times it's easy to think that life is what you make. See, but what happened when you make your life just a big fantasy? <laughs> They're serious. My name is Patrick Davis. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, and I do music. It's a mixture of rap, rock, and uh, alternative. You know, life was crazy growing up. There was five of us, and uh, my dad, actually, he ended up cheating on my mom when we were all very young. And, uh, you know, she kicked him out, and he left, and he left state. And basically what happened was my mom had to drop out of nursing school and uh, take care of us, five bad kids. (laughs) We were immediately on welfare. You know, we'd have to stand outside in the blizzard snow just to get food. You know, we didn't have a car. We didn't really have much of anything, and it was hard. Life was hard. You know, the money was very scarce. And uh, just my mom trying to be, you know, my, my mother and my dad at the same time, it's just, it was, it was very hard for her. There was times, you know, in school where I, I was always getting suspended. And so, you know, I had a lot of anger and I didn't know how to deal with it. And I just, I would lash out at everybody. I wouldn't let anybody get close. I hated all authority. I despised authority. And, you know, when people would try to, like, tell me what to do, I just hated it. I don't know why, but I just, it just drove me up the wall. And honestly, I, did, I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know how to, to deal with the fact that, you know, you're, you're six and seven and eight years old and you're wondering why your dad left. I didn't know all the details of what happened. You know, I thought it was maybe my fault, you know, daddy left. So you, you, you carry around this anger and so you, you look for that, you look for that figure. You look for that person to look, look after. And where I grew up, it's in the uh, southeast side of Cleveland, a very rough area. And, and the figures that were there to look up to, they weren't good people. I mean, they were drug dealers. They were people that were robbing people. They were people that were stealing cars. You know, they, they, they were my role models, essentially. And you want to be just like the people you look up to. And sure enough, I, I got caught up in it. And I started becoming what I was surrounded by. I wanted to impress them. And so I, I did, basically did what they did. And whether that was, you know, selling drugs or or robbery and it started off with small stuff and it just progressed and progressed and progressed and that's the thing you know the devil won't show you oh it looks all good right now it's all fun now but you know sure enough over a period of time things just got worse i went to juvie for uh six months it didn't do anything for me it just made me more angry you know because it's like people kept telling me there's something wrong with you there's something wrong with you but they, they would never acknowledge what, what happened to me, what I went through. And so it was always point, point, point when they, they had no idea what I had been through and stuff that had happened with my family and all this stuff that we were dealing with. It just made me angry. I ended up escaping from where I was at. I, I escaped from jail and uh, I got caught up in selling drugs and robbery. You know, it went from stealing cars and, and uh, you know, getting high to, to strong arm robbery, to aggravated robbery with a gun, to you know, selling crack and like going through all this stuff, it just kept progressing and getting worse and worse and worse. Listen, sold a few drugs till he got a nice pension. Get a little money. Basically what happened was there was this drug dealer. He would front me all my drugs that I would sell and then once I sold them I'd give him his, you know, percentage or whatever back. And I got around five thousand dollars worth of drugs and uh I ended up losing them. And so I owed this guy $5,000, and if you know anything about the streets, I mean, you owe somebody that kind of money, and you don't have it, they're going to come after you. And he came after me, 
Me and my friend, we got ran off the road at probably 60 miles an hour. I got thrown through a windshield. I, you know, it was just, it was bad. He, he would drive past the house I was at with his friends with assault rifles out the window. I mean, there's times I was shot at. I mean, it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And here I am, 16 years old. You know, I got this guy wanting to kill me. My plan was just to stick somebody up to get some money and get on a bus and get out of town. I end up at 16 years old kidnapping five people holding them at gunpoint and you know somehow the police have been notified and the whole police department closed in and they arrested me and when I was 16 I was pretty much faced with 40 45 years in prison three months into my time before I went to court for to actually be tried and sentenced one of the CEOs they came in they knocked on my door and they brought me out of the cell and they said hey I got some bad news for you they told me that my brother Larry he was 20 years old at the time that he had been stabbed to death outside of a club in downtown Cleveland. And it's like, you know, you hear somebody and you know what you're hearing, but you don't think that's what you heard because it's just so unbelievable. I didn't get to go to his funeral. I, I didn't get to see him put in the ground. And so not only was I sitting in jail and just completely hopeless, but here now they come and tell me, just when you think things can't get any worse, they come and tell me, hey man, you know, your brother's dead. So I felt all this guilt and this shame and this rage and you know, like here I am, I'm the one that's putting a gun in people's face. I'm the one that's selling drugs. My brother is the one that's a star athlete. He's the one that's actually getting good grades in school. And now he's gone, he's dead. So, I mean, I had anger, I had rage towards God, towards everybody. I was crazy, you know, I was throwing chairs, I was freaking out and they, they took me, like 10 COs came and they grabbed me and they put me in solitary confinement. I was in there for two, for two weeks. And I just remember just feeling so angry and so hurt. I was mad and I was like, God, you know, why would you, you know, I wasn't asking why am I here. I knew why I was in jail. I, I put a gun in somebody's face and kidnapped five people. I wasn't blaming God for that, but it's like, you know, God, why would you allow my brother to die? Why would you allow all this to happen? And so I just felt so much anger and pain. And I just thought about my mother, like here she is. She's tried her best to, to be the best mother that she could be. She tried, she's tried her best to, to teach us and, and, and to show us the right way. And not only is, is her son dead, but here I am, I'm in jail. So like, it's like really like she lost two of her kids and that, it just broke my heart. You're in the streets and you're doing this and you're doing that. It's all glamorous. It's all good. It's all fun. But it's like when, when the repercussions of all of it come crashing down, it, it wasn't fun anymore. And I just saw my life. I'm like, man, like this is what this is all about. My brother, he was only 20 years old. He, he was not a criminal. He was not a drug dealer. And he was gone like that in the blink of an eye. He, he had no clue that night when he was going to go down to that club that somebody was going to shove a knife into his body. And I never saw God you know, active in my life until that point. And I started looking back like, man, look at all this stuff that I did. Man, I was shot at. I heard bullets whizzing past my ears, branches falling all around me. And I didn't die. I overdosed on acid and I was, on, I was basically in a coma for three months and I didn't die. And I started looking like, man, like God must be, he must be watching over me. And then I thought about my brother and the brevity of life. Like you could be taken out like that. And I just knew, I knew from reading the Bible, like if you don't know Christ, you know, and, and you don't have that relationship and you die, you're going to go to hell. And I knew like if I died right now, I was going to burn in hell. We could, we could do all the church stuff we want, all the religious stuff we want. But when it boils down to it, either you know him or you don't. And I knew that I didn't know him and, and I just started to weep. And I just felt broken and I just, I just cried out to him and I said, God, I'm, I'm sick of doing this. I'm sick of putting my mother through this. I'm sick of going to jail and getting out and coming back and, 
I'm sick of walking down the street, man, paranoid, because somebody's going to roll by and blow my brains out. I'm sick of, of being just so hopeless and walking down the street and just smoking myself until I pass out and then waking up and doing it again and just feeling like I have no purpose in life. I was desperate. I, I needed him. I cried out to him from the depths of my soul, and I just remember it felt like somebody came into my room with like a heating blanket, and I just felt the, the, the power of God. I don't know how to explain it, but I just felt the power of God coming into my soul. And it's like all this, this weight, all this sin, all, all this depression, all this stuff that I carried, this weight that had just been like weighing on my back for my whole life, it was just like immediately, it was just lifted. And like from that moment, like my life just completely changed. I didn't do 45 years in prison, I only did three and a half. I was supposed to be tried as an adult. I mean, just miracles just started happening instantly. So I just began to pray and to ask God, you know, what is your purpose? What is your destiny for my life? What am I supposed to do? And, you know, I, I've been doing that already in jail, and I felt him impress on me I was supposed to do music. I was never a musician. I never wrote songs. I never, but I felt him put that in me. He just impressed on my heart, you know, start writing. And so I started writing, and I was embarrassed to show it at first. I was embarrassed to do it. Over time, I just got more and more comfortable. I started doing music, and I have hundreds of emails from people that were lost, people that were suicidal, people that didn't want to live, people that wanted nothing to do with church, people that were drug addicts that have become Christians through the Holy Spirit working through our music. Life is life. You're going to have ups, you're going to have downs. The thing that, that we can't forget is that no longer do we walk alone. No longer am I on this journey by myself. And the reality is we have an adversary, we have an enemy, and his name is Satan, and he's come to kill, steal, and destroy. And he'll do everything he can to get you to doubt God and to not trust God. And, you know, I learned so much in those times. Like, it's easy to say, oh, God, I trust you. You know, you're the Lord of my life. But when all hell breaks loose in your life, can you still say that same thing? And for me, it was a growth process. And now, you know, the way that I deal with it is I just trust him. It might not make sense. I might not know what to pray or how to pray. But God, I trust you. I know that you're in control of my life. I know that if you brought me through this hell, you brought me through this Egypt, you brought me out of all this darkness and all this hopelessness, and, and you took me from being a criminal and a drug dealer to traveling the world and doing music and doing all this stuff that, that you're going to bring me through this little nonsense I'm dealing with now. And I think for me, that's how I deal with it now is I just trust them. Does that mean I'm, it's always good and like times are always perfect? Absolutely not. But it, it, he promised I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. And that's what I hold on to. When you come, when you come to God, and I don't mean religion, I don't mean church, I don't mean you know go through these traditions and these rituals. But when you cry out to Him, man, when he, when you when you when you embrace the cross, and the cross represents death, man. It represents not only Him dying for us, but that when we come to Him, we die to ourselves. Jesus Christ, two thousand years ago, man, He died on the cross for your sins. He shed His blood. And he rose from the grave. And you know what? If it wasn't real, I, I, I wouldn't be here today. You know, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've seen, no matter, no matter what's happened to you or, or, or what you've been through, you know, there's a God that loves you and he can forgive you, even when you feel like you can't forgive yourself. History Makers. If you'd like to find out more about Patrick's music, just go to patrickdavis.net. Or if you'd like to hear this interview again, just go to historymakersradio.com. Thanks for joining us. History Makers.